0: Rewind the Dynamite, from the post-wrestling site you lighting up the fuse Sit back and enjoy the bubbly As we hear from John and Wayne Where we're going, we don't need roads And if the buck stops, here, yeah, this thing might blow Everything you hear are opinions of the show And if you don't like it, go to the Forbes and let them know Hello
1: everybody, welcome to Rewind the Dynamite I'm John Pollock here with waiting how you doing i'm doing all right just okay eh? it's uh one of those okay going... days yeah you know what i mean i i don't have complaints but i don't have high praise either so it's just okay and that's um, all and that's fine yeah i mean that's i mean in these in these times i mean that to me is almost a
0: that's a plus uh always yeah think things can always be worse if, if that's what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Did you hear that? I don't want to say coincidence, but one day after we release our review, Donald Trump is asked in the press briefing his thoughts on Tiger King, and he has not seen it. And he may give some thought to this pardon for Joe Exotic. I did, th- I did see
0: that. Um,
1: how How are things that we're going through the most alarming pandemic of our lifetimes? and there is a reporter that thought this is the time to ask this question this is vital information could you imagine i couldn't imagine asking that um, question in that setting to the most powerful person in the world during this time period
0: i mean i can certainly imagine it the fact that i think people are talking about it and the fact we're even talking about it suggests that you know he well that's the other part why
1: like this this clip went everywhere like this is top of mind for people tomorrow this is going to be a big discussion point
0: yeah of course.
1: Maybe maybe it's good to have distractions like that. It takes our mind off of more serious matters. Um, uh, Sure. Yeah, sure. I'll try and look at the bright side of things today.
0: Uh, everything well with you? Things are fine. Things are okay. You know, much like you. Not necessarily a spectacular, spectacular day or anything. But yeah, things are fine. Things are okay. I'm tired. Okay. Well, we, like I, I I not uh, sometimes hey, I don't like fine. to, I don't like to like complain about too much. Um, cause I, I don't know. it, It's not nice to hear. I wouldn't want to hear somebody, you know, on a wrestling podcast, complain about their day either, but it's just been a long week. You know, there's been a lot of wrestling, a lot of podcasting. Uh, again, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be able to do it, but occasionally, yeah, it does. You know, I do get
1: tired. You don't have to apologize for fatigue. It happens. Um, We have a bunch of shows up, hence the fatigue. Uh, Over the last uh, day, we have put out uh, interviews with Jim Ross, and I just did an interview today with Josh Gross from The Athletic, talking about all of the UFC insanity that is getting a lot of attention for what they are going to be moving ahead with and doing with their uh, next four events happening reportedly in Lemoore, California, and then, of course, the the Secret Island that is in play as well. So if you want to go check out those interviews, those are up. Plus, from Tuesday night, it is our review of Tiger King for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. I did not know what this show was going to be like. I had some thoughts to share on my viewing experience, and lo and behold, 90 minutes later, I think Wayne and I got most of it out of our system.
0: I think so. I think so. I mean, I was really surprised by how many people were interested in, in this. And um, yeah, I I would say a level of anticipation for this podcast um, as, as much as any of our other podcasts, I would say.
1: So you can go check that out on the post wrestling cafe and Thursday. We're back with the cafe hangout happening at 3 PM Eastern time and dark side of the ring. For those asking, we're going to review that Friday night on rewind a smackdown. So that's some uh, housekeeping notes and, WWE, they are getting set for another huge set of tapings. It, it seems like uh, it is a lot of chaos that, that is going on as they are preparing for these tapings. So, like, it's been described to me as, like, I, I've talked to s- several different people. And from what I gather is that these tapings will begin Friday. And they're taping a lot of stuff. I don't know the exact Episode numbers, I have heard from some, it could be everything up until Money in the Bank. But again, this is very much kind of uh, uh, a fluid situation. So it sounds like they're going to get SmackDown out of the way first, and then tape the Raw's. And on top of that, they're going to be taping NXT and all of this uh, separately at Full Sail University with Raw and SmackDown at the PC. Uh, I've heard the idea that this Friday's SmackDown and Monday's Raw they could end up being live shows but i don't know if that's uh, 100% confirmed yet um with all of this happening um you know obviously it's stretching them incredibly thin uh for NXT i heard like this weekend they're hopeful they could do up to 6 episodes to to tape like that's how far ahead they could be getting here so again these numbers could uh, somewhat fluctuate but that seems to be uh, the latest here, that they are going to bank uh, a lot of stuff, and I, I guess we're, we're going to see how much they they churn out this weekend, but uh, an unbelievable um, amount that is on not just the talent, but all of the production, uh, referees, agents, officials, that are going to be having their heads spinning, I think, by the end of all of this. Um, and it seems that this is going to be, something that they are able to go ahead with despite this stay at home order in the state of Florida.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure every single day that they, they are able to get away with it is to them, you know, an opportunity to shoot as much as they possibly can. And uh, by the end of all this, I, I really can't wait for some of the podcasts that'll come out talking about this or the documentaries that might come out talking about just the, the planning of and the production of, of these particular shows. That to me is the most interesting thing about these. Because by the end of it, when we're what we're watching on TV, it's you know, they're fine. But I i would just, you know, say that they're they they are they managed to do a very good job of creating, you know, um passable and sometimes even good like TV wrestling content under these circumstances. But I know for a fact that the more interesting, compelling thing is probably going to be the behind-the-scenes documentary about how these things are put together. You know, the 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 ridiculous scheduling, the flights that you have to book, and the juggling, the constant monitoring of the rules and the news that's out there, and and just the editing that might be involved. You know, with with uh, with trying to put these things together so that they fit a, a regular timeline. Um, I both companies that you know AEW and WWE, I imagine, will have plenty of stories to tell after this.
1: Yeah, and TMZ had this item tonight uh, about kind of the protocol in place and an email that went out to people in the company saying that the medical team will take each individual's temperature before they enter the building, which is expected to cause some delays, arrive early. Once inside, everyone is encouraged to wear a a face mask, and if you can't get one, make one. WW explains how to MacGyver one together by sewing fabric, wearing a bandana, or ripping off an old T-shirt sleeve. The organization does note that masks should come off when cameras
0: are rolling. Sure, I mean that you know that that sort of uh, circumstances is not that unusual to hear right now. I mean, I feel I feel like hosp- some hospitals are, are recommending even something like that. It's it's kind of ridiculous, but um, there's a real shortage out there.
1: Uh, On the UFC end of things, um, Kevin Ioli put out kind of what the UFC is planning to do. So for UFC 249, for the next four shows, they're expected to take place in Lemoore, California, at the Tachi Palace Casino Resort, which is on tribal land and therefore would not be under the jurisdiction of the California State Athletic Commission and are able to avoid the commission and as well as the orders in the state of California. So uh, Kevin Ioli reports that some of the things in place – are going to be advanced medical screening. They are not, since they're doing multiple cards here, there's not going to be any overlap of fighters on this location between fight cards. Like one card will end, those people will go home, and I guess then they will bring in the next round of fighters. They are, the expense that they are going to incur here include putting treadmills into every fighter's room, portable saunas, they're going to have a restaurant open with cooks and a kitchen staff. They're going to have an outdoor running track built. Housekeepers will not be allowed to enter the hotel rooms and nor touch the doorknobs. If you want any of your clothes done or towels, you'll just leave them in a basket outside. They're going to be, they're going to have a level one trauma center there for the night of the fights in case anyone has to be taken to the hospital. They're going to have twice the number of doctors working the shows and never have a group of 10 or more, more people in the same room so that's kind of the safety measures that are in place they uh whenever Dana White has been asked about COVID-19 testing he has essentially just given an answer of we are on top of the health and safety measures he hasn't really given an answer because there is no good answer to that if he says yes it's how are you getting all of this testing for your fighters when there's people in much greater need and if you say no it's it sounds bad too that you're not testing for this virus. So there's really no good answer to that question. That is, I think going to satisfy people, but it would, they have, I feel if they were testing, they would be clearly stating it.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. Um, It seems like they are going to do everything, like spend any amount of money that they possibly can in order to ensure that these fights are happening. Um, So it's crazy. I'm
1: surprised that it's insane. It's, it's a very mixed reaction. Like, I thought I thought among fight fans, I would see it kind of, like, right down the middle that there would be, you know, half that are looking forward to this, half that have problems with it. But when it comes to, like, outside mainstream coverage, it seems like there are some that are just looking at this as well. It's – they're putting safety measures in place and maybe it's it's time that we – like, you're starting to see – other sports leagues now coming up with these alternative ideas of how to kickstart their seasons with major league baseball. You hear the NHL flirting with like ideas or at least tabling these ideas of potentially taking everything to North Dakota. Like they are getting antsy. And I think that is the world at a whole at this point. Like we have done our, uh, we have done our isolation and now people are just getting extremely bored. And for some, when it's uh, millions of dollars at stake, it's, getting very impatient. So I I think that this is kind of the next step and I I definitely have those concerns about people that are racing for a solution now that are going to look at the UFC model and if all goes fine it's going to be the impetus for everybody to start um getting back to work and potentially um doing it way too quickly when this thing is still a very big threat.
0: For sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, the one thing that'll really knock everything out of place of course is if somebody does test positive. Um, but you know, a lot of well, if we're talking like major sports uh, organizations, of course they would have similar resources to be able to throw that much money into something like that. Um, sports league. They also have.
1: They also have to negotiate with their players, which is something yeah. that I mean, it's a it's a different situation that we're we're talking about with the promotions we're covering.
0: Sure. Right. Um, you know, when when it comes to team sports, though can you still have those same measures, you know, with an indiv with the sport, like consisting of individuals uh, participating, it'd be easier to isolate. You would think, you know, the, the, the competitors, but we're, we're talking about a basketball game. Can you take these same measures for like everybody that, that is about to participate?
1: Not I- sure. I've heard fear. Theor- I've heard like brainstorming sessions about major league baseball, like coming back where you wouldn't have an umpire. It would be an electronic, uh, strike zone, The players would not be in the dugout. They'd be scattered in the stands. Like they they're desperate. They're like everyone is desperate to come up with anything, no matter how far fetched an idea it is. And these are like regardless of whether it's now or six months from now, you are going to have to have changes in mind of how you're going to adjust to the new world. Um, And there's going to be some wacky ideas that are out there that might be a necessity. I just look at now. We're talking about this on April the 8th, and it's – I mean, for for someone that wants to argue in favor of this, like, the WWE went through with everything. They went through with their WrestleMania. They got it on the air. They did it. They're getting around a stay-at-home order in Florida this week, and what has been the repercussions so far? Like, they potentially dodged a huge bullet with Roman Reigns, but thus far, I mean, there's been – if you're someone on the outside looking in, it's like, wow, they – they're doing this, and what's what's been the backlash? What's been the fallout? There's been no negativity. And if the UFC goes through with this, I mean, these leagues are just looking for an example to follow, and I think they're going to be pushing very hard, and that's the conflict in all of this, where people are naturally going to put revenue projections ahead of health and safety measures.
0: Sure, absolutely. Um, again, I, I mean, unless somebody... I feel like they'll be able to get away with it. Um, as long as there are fighters who really want to fight and who really need the fight. And, mm-hmm. um, as long and as they no- all do, and as long as nobody gets, you know, tested positive. Um, so they, they, it's, it's clear that nothing will stop them at this point.
1: Uh, raw coming off of uh, WrestleMania on Monday night was up 9%. They did 2,100,000 viewers. So, uh, a bit of an improvement over the last two weeks. Um, they were also up twenty one percent in the eighteen to forty nine demographic, and we saw uh, a pattern where it was two million three hundred eleven thousand viewers, and then it fell throughout the show, uh, finishing just over one point nine million in the third hour. So I-, I would say kind of in line with what I anticipated here. I I guess you can at least say it did curb the the loss of viewers that we had been seeing in these empty arena shows in the lead up to wrestlemania and i guess that still meant to people that the night after wrestlemania still meant something even in this format
0: and and i i do wonder if you know the addition of this drew uh, mcintyre big show match at the very end might have played a part yeah to, to me like the more interesting numbers are going to be what we'll see after this you know without the pay-per-view bump um you know seeing what type of tv they can even produce
1: yeah i mean just watching even dynamite tonight it just seems to me like there is going to be an erosion of viewers during this period i think that's unavoidable and with wrestlemania out of the way now i, w- I would have to say that we're going to go right back to that it's it's going to i i just think we're going to see decreases each week as these go on um uh, unless they have something really hot that is going to uh curb this it just seems like the the empty arena shows that it's it's just going to be very difficult to retain viewers. Dark side of the ring did uh, 226,000 viewers for the brawl for all episode, almost identical with uh, last week's episode on new Jack. And then some other notes, uh, WWE had a whole programming block on FS one on Tuesday night with three back-to-back airings of WWE 24. And the first hour uh did 183,000 viewers and then the last 2 hours did 232,000 viewers which is not a bad number at all for FS1 and then backstage that followed all of this uh fell down to 140,000 viewers so i found that interesting that of the 4 hours it was backstage that was much lower than the WWE 24 documentaries
0: sure i mean i can i can kind of understand that you know i, I think the the 24 specials have, have always been really good and they they profile. Um I don't know which 24's they they aired, which one do you know?
1: It it was all WrestleMania um those like WrestleMania specials they done. It was right. uh WrestleMania 31, 33, 34.
0: Okay. So I I don't know maybe people just prefer the documentary style than, you know, the, the, these backstage shows which are now being shot via Skype.
1: Yeah, we're going to have CM Punk on Skype next week. Oh, okay or whatever they're using
0: Hmm. zoom
1: zoom perhaps uh and then the final notes here um impact is now entering the empty arena stage of their uh, promotion because they are in nashville and they are taping apparently according to tommy dreamer two months worth of shows so they're getting all of their stuff because they as we had mentioned just the other night they are Running out on new episodes of Impact, which were set to end with next week's show that was going to lead into Rebellion. And then New Japan, they have canceled more shows, including uh, Wrestling Dontaku in early May, and it was noted that they are now considering empty arena events. They have been one of the few in Japan that have not gone that route, and they have gone completely dark since February 26th, so... You can certainly see the pinches being felt and New Japan even at this point now starting to explore that possibility.
0: I'm kind of surprised they haven't already, you know I, and I guess they didn't really know what the outlook was, but I think faced with the possibility of having their talents be out for four months i I feel like that's an alternative that I'm, I'm surprised they didn't they haven't already executed
1: i I really wonder a month from now. If we're in kind of a similar state, how many US based wrestling companies are running regular empty arena shows? Like, is Ring of Honor going to be looking at this? Or where are we going to see everybody follow suit at this point and continue? Like WWE is the industry leader and they're going to follow. Like we know what AEW's um what what they're in. Like they're they've taped for a while, but they will run out of episodes too at a at a certain point, and this might be strategy because there's nothing that's going to stop these companies from doing these shows so that may money it'll be interesting to see how how many others like hold out the the ones that can afford to and i would imagine there's not too many that can
0: yeah i can't imagine these are you know cheap measures that everybody you know is taking and certainly when we're talking about wwe and AEW, they can at least come up with like um i think you know a, a reasonable level of um safety measures that you can have some faith and trust that, that they're going to do everything they can a smaller promotion. uh, I, I, I I do wonder if, you know, they would be able to promise like the same level of safety and precautions.
1: Right. And I mean, in the case of impact as well, like so many of those key people are from Canada. I mean, what like we have been told in Canada, like non-essential travel um, that they've encouraged against it. So um, if you are someone from Canada here going down for these tapings, uh, I, I mean, is like what are the ramifications of that? If you come back here, you're certainly self quarantining for two weeks. You would hope so all these. Yeah, you would you would definitely hope. So those are all your latest news items. Uh, you can find the rest along with our most recent shows up at postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com if you want to check out the tiger king review but tonight the review in question is dynamite um off the top have you did you hear anything about nxt tonight they were doing the ladder match and then it seemed like an hour dedicated to this Tommaso champa johnny gargano uh, blow-off that was very much uh i have not seen it but seems to be like a, of the cinematic style
0: i, I just uh, saw the results on twitter i haven't i've seen anything
1: Well, maybe we'll chat about that on Thursday once we get a chance to see it. But tonight's impact, or sorry, tonight's Dynamite took place from, uh, once again, uh, QT Marshall's gym is where we were. And it started off with Jake the Snake Roberts doing a tape promo asking if you would stand in front of an oncoming train or jump out of a plane without a parachute. Because those are equal to standing in the ring with Lance Archer. In all three cases, you'd be done for. He remarks that Marco stunt was an idiot and he thinks Cody might end up losing to Sean Spears tonight just to avoid Lance Archer. And he asks Cody, are you a man or a mouse squeak
0: up very Jake like style of promo and to start the show off with it. I thought was a good move. Sure.
1: I like these, these, these tape Jake promos. I mean, I, I hope they sat him down in a dark room and had him cut 20 promos. Mm-hmm. Tonight on commentary, it is Tony Shavani, and I don't know if you noticed, Chris Jericho was on commentary on the show tonight.
0: I did notice. Yes, and he was wearing gloves. Does he not always wear gloves as part of this whole thing, this getup? Um, maybe he has
1: in the past. I, I, I guess I haven't noticed them before. I thought, I thought he was maybe just being uh, making a a public safety mes- message. Could
0: have, yeah.
1: I thought Chris Jericho was the star of this show. How did you feel he was on commentary?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I felt very much the same. I think if you're gonna point any pin, pinpoint any sort of like you know new feature about this particular edition of Dynamite, it's the chance to be able to hear Chris Jericho on commentary for two whole hours. And you know, much like how I feel, I feel like you know, even though he's not technically like one of the executive vice presidents, it it is clear to me that he's taken a great great role in you know the production. Of this show at at least, you know, with his own programs and I wouldn't doubt many, uh, you know, contribute contributing hand to many others as as well. Uh, Just, you know, even if it's simply leading by example, like you saw perhaps, you know, a couple weeks ago when they were doing those like, you know, reactions in the in the in the box uh, in the room. It just felt like Jericho was seeing the the results, not very happy with it. So he decided to go in there and this is all me making it up in my head, but because he went in there. And he just like lit up the room and it was almost as if he was showing everybody, this is the amount of energy you need to put into this to make this shit work. And that's kind of how I felt like Jericho was looking at his role on this show was to see that, you know, was to show the world that, Hey, like for these empty arena shows, you have to be charismatic. You have to be entertaining. You have to wake the room up like you would for a rock show. Um, And he, it seemed like he was, you know, there to bring that energy for the entire thing.
1: I thought him and Shivani were just—they had a ton of chemistry. They had so much fun together, and you know, th- there were parts of this show that I—I I was really starting to feel the drag of these empty arena shows, and it was Jericho's commentary that I found myself um, paying the most attention to. And maybe it's too much at times on on commentary where you're so focused on on his lines and what he's saying, but. Um, I th- I thought he was incredibly entertaining on commentary for the t- for the two hours, and knowing that you know he'll probably be on a- on a bunch of these shows, I think that that's uh, a great utilization of Chris Jericho more so than like wrestling a-, a match here and there. Um, for these shows, I think that's uh something that's kind of interesting for these shows that you get Jericho for two hours here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Starting I- off, I mean, he's your biggest star of the show, and you know, with putting him on co- on commentary, you essentially have him, you know, in a role for the entire thing.
1: Up first was Lance Archer and a gentleman named Alan Engels, and Archer took this guy by the throat and gave him an overhead suplex, and Jericho referred to the guy as Alan Eagleson, which was great, and then he gets killed at the blackout in a minute 39 that Jericho said was a better blackout than the Scorpions could ever play.
0: He was uh, very complimentary of Archer, you know, I mean, being a heel, he was very complimentary of all the heels, of course, but he was also very complimentary of the baby fishes as well. Um, but overall, like you said, I thought like the standout, it was a good squash match for Archer, but the standout to me at, at this point in time was listening to Jericho on commentary.
1: They went right to the next match and it was Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida. Jericho is talking to Tony. Like he's all excited when she's identified as hailing from Kanagawa and he goes, Tony, have you ever been to Kanagawa? I have not been to Kanagawa. I've been to Kanagawa. It's a dump. <laughs> and the match starts, and he is searching for the term. He is calling uh, Baker and her intelligent feet, well-schooled feet, and later he realized he was searching for educated feet. And he compared Baker's boots to those of Ace Freely's. Jericho was putting over Baker for knowing what camera to look into. She's such a star. And then shared a story that Jackie Crockett once told him, you find the camera, I'll make you a star. And Tony loved that there was a Jackie Crockett reference on this show. The local wrestlers end up holding Britt Baker on the guardrail. um, Plenty of distance here. And Sheeta then delivered a running knee strike. We went through the commercial. Sheeta's got a triangle on and Baker gets to the rope and hits what is called a side Pittsburgh leg sweep by Jericho. She goes for the lockjaw, and Sheeta avoids this. And then we see Sheeta and her exchange and strikes, and this Inzaguri that comes up low. And then all of a sudden, Baker is kind of dazed, and her nose is busted open. Baker rolls through and goes for the lockjaw again and instructs referee Paul Turner to take off his latex glove so that she can put the glove on because she learned the lesson from Jimmy Havoc versus Cody if she was going to apply the lockjaw.
0: This was really fascinating, yeah. Um, I mean, I think I was really just caught off guard with the amount of blood coming from her nose to even like fully comprehend the, the spot. But I mean, I guess the spot, the, the spot with the glove would, it was probably playing regardless of the blood.
1: I would think so. Yeah, I thought. Well, there we go. We're we're learning. Uh, so, as she's all bloody, Jericho says she's gone from Ace Freely to Gene Simmons in the same match. She is a mess from this nose break or this nose being uh, busted open. Sheeta's mouth is then placed on the bottom rope. This took the sanitation level down a few notches here as Baker went to break her teeth, but Sheeta dumped her onto the top turnbuckle off her shoulders and then a running knee strike pinning Baker. And Sheeta has now won eight of her last nine matches.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, that stat is actually quite impressive. And, you know, to me, it, it absolutely feels like Sheeta is now feeling like she's standing out amongst the division, uh as, you know, the number one contender. They actually the stat was that she has been number one contender for ten weeks, which is an AEW record, uh I'm told. I, I thought it was a good match, you know. It was it was really interesting, I think, you know, as is often the case when you see blood. Uh, interest was certainly heightened once you saw that because it added a level of realism to it. I thought Baker did a great job of, I think you know, making sure the camera caught the great visuals of her with her blood. I mean, she she probably felt like this was her Becky Lynch moment. Um, it, 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 she is she so, found the camera. She did that's right. She is so charismatic as a heel. I love the moments in the match where she just like pauses to talk to Tony Giovanni through the camera. Um, <laughs> the amount of I think like great heel improv she's been able to. Uh, showcase not just in the match but like last week as a part of the crowd has been a real standout to me
1: yeah she is um she's just been great in this role all year so far and she to win so obviously they are uh going with her i guess the question is when they will have access to nyla rose again that um you can eventually do that title match kenny omega and michael nakazawa are in this trailer and they're talking about their their times together in ddt and they've got a match ...tonight against Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, and they want to come up with a team name. Nakazawa suggests, why don't we call ourselves the Best Friends? And Omega says, well, that's already their name. And Nakazawa says, wait a minute, you're an EVP. You can change it. And with that, Orange Cassidy walks in, kicks open the door, and the Best Friends walk in. They have heard everything, and they agree to put their name on the line... And they are going to battle for the title of best friends later tonight.
0: You know, they needed a way, I guess, to set up this match. And this was like about as silly of a way uh, as you could probably imagine. I I found this interesting because this was like, this was the type of hero I think you would have typically typically expected on something like a BTE. And, you know, in the past, I feel like they've taken great care in maybe withholding like some that level of, I think, kind of weird more like, you know, fourth wall breaking type of humor onto, you know, from from preventing that from like directly going onto TNT. But here, I guess, I mean, I don't know how many options they really had. And so you're directly translating something that, you know, is is definitely really silly and in some cases not very sports-like or very believable directly onto TNT. And in the case of Michael Nakazawa, a character that I think, you know, most of the time you... Uh, Even on Dark, I wonder how much the audience really accepts him. But they did a Michael Nakazawa match on TNT here.
1: Yes, and we'll get to that. Uh, Before that, we had the rankings report with Excalibur going through the top five uh, tag teams, the top five in the women's division, and then the men's division. I thought this was a really effective segment at getting these rankings over. They're the first time I've ever paid any attention to them and just little things like the fact that the Dark Order are 5-0 and this year that I had absolutely no clue about, and um, also just pushing the idea that Kenny Omega is unbeaten this year, that Hager and Moxley, they're going to be meeting next week, and they're both undefeated this year. I really like this segment, and it took all of 60 seconds.
0: This is fantastic. You know, I, I believe like on, on a show earlier this week, I had spoken about how I felt like AEW's ranking system were were a bit, was a bit of a bust because I just I we never think about them nobody goes online to check these rankings so by the end of it you you just they're they're basically inconsequential, um, and that changes with this you know by presenting this to the viewer who's watching your main program keeping them up to date about essentially just who is up and coming and who is ranked number one as the next challenger I think that this is where you push your talents you know obviously you push them by the matches but. Those matches kind of mean nothing unless you could create a narrative about what they all add up to. And that's what this this ranking segment was accomplished, I thought.
1: D- did you think that there was – because one thing I did feel was that when you're announcing the top five in the men's division, how do we arrive at the participants in this tournament for the title?
0: Well, it's a great question. Um <laughs> I have no idea. Like
1: Cody and Darby are in there; they're ranked third and fifth, and there's really no explanation for like why wouldn't everyone here want to be going for this prestigious title?
0: Maybe they were just first in line.
1: They lined up, and that could have been it. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a sign-up sheet. Yeah, and they weren't there. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, along with Jericho, I thought the other standout. Uh, aspect of this show this week was to build up for next week's next week's match with John Moxley and Jake Hager. And we went to the first of two video features and the first line out of John Moxley. We are not in the business of putting smiles on faces. Hager says that he's not trying to be a hero. He fights for zeros. And then we got mm-hmm. the, the unofficial star of this feature, Catalina Hager. He said, she said in our home, you come home a winner or you just don't come home. <laughs> Jesus, what a this is a tough household to live in. What motivation. Yeah, wow. This guy better never hagger. I mean, he loses one Bellator fight, he's going to be in trouble. Um, we heard from Josh Rafferty, uh former MMA fighter and runs his gym there in Florida.
0: He he was the one who showed Jericho the um Judas effect.
1: That's right. He th- this is the mastermind behind the move no one's been able to kick out of. Mm-hmm. And then Jake Hager reveals that he was supposed to fight on May 9th at the Bellator card that's been postponed that was going to be in San Jose, and he's been in training camp this whole time secretly for a fight, so he's at his absolute peak going against John Moxley next week. I love this. This was
0: awesome. Oh, such a brilliant little tidbit, because when was that fight canceled, John?
1: Th- they only postponed that card, like, last week? So, but I mean, they had never announced Hager was
0: fighting on this. And, um, you know, they I don't know exactly when they might have taped this match, but um, it 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 could have been. I think, I think it was like two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was probably even before the announcement. So it tells you that perhaps they shot this video. I mean, you know, sometime within the last week and the addition of this little tidbit in there, I think is wonderful because it tells you that, you know, it, you're t- you're getting Jake Hager at his best you're getting Jake Hager at the level that he would have been at training for a real MMA fight, So it just kind of raises the stakes and tells you that you're going to see like a, you know, a super Saiyan level Jake Hager this time.
1: And that could also be his explanation for not being in the TNT championship tournament. He was training for a fight or he missed the sign-up sheet that, that I give, I give more credence to the latter. He didn't have a pen. No, that's right. The preview next was of the TNT tournament. And Cody noting that the network wanted this. We got comments from Sean Spears. He said that uh, Spears and him have been... Spears has been turning on him since OVW. He's got a scar on his head from the chair shot, which they replayed. And Cody doesn't believe that Spears can beat him. This video was fine. But did you see the promo that Cody did with the cigar? That was online? Yeah. It was just this random video that I happened to stumble upon today where he's in a dark room, of course... And he's just smoking a cigar, going through each person in the tournament about their strengths, their weaknesses, and why they all want to win the title. But Cody needs to win the title. It was it was like a very good, it was like a seven minute segment
0: of just going through each person. Is it? Um, do you think? Um, okay, number one, do you think they could show their talent smoking on TNT? Because they did in the past. At least online.
1: Yeah. But it, I don't know
0: about like... A, and they a definitely
1: dynamic. got... They definitely got criticism for that of kind of glorifying smoking, which it, they're absolutely doing in this segment, too, with the cigar. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it's like a totally relevant question if TNT wants to necessarily glorify that on their television. They may not want to.
0: Did this make you want to smoke a cigar?
1: No. No, it did not. It... Um, <laughs> It made me want to see this tournament, but it didn't make me want to smoke a cigar. So it did not have that effect on me. Then we went to the tag match with Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa against the best friends. And this featured Sean Spears in the crowd scouting. And Nakazawa has his baby oil out. And early on, he puts the baby oil on. So when Trent goes to chop him, his hand slides and glazes over his chest.
0: Yeah. And then did you notice like there was a real obvious edit here when they cut to the crowd and it was almost like they they went right from the, you know, the oil chopping spot to like just Kenny's tag. Yes. So I don't know if they just had to cut it for time, but it was just like it was it, it was a very clear edit. Yeah, um, I did notice that then uh, the best friends
1: take over and hit double pescados to the floor that Chris Jericho calls house show dives.
0: <laughs> hmm. Okay.
1: Uh, The OC, uh, uh, the OC, Orange Cassidy gets into the ring. The best friends go for a hug, but they get yanked to the floor. So then Omega and Nakazawa go in for the hug and Cassidy avoids them. Uh, Then we have Omega firing up with the you can't escape into a backstabber on Trent, followed by the Snapdragon. And this is where Jericho's saying, I like the cleaner version of Kenny Omega. I like this version. And... Then from there, Nakazawa leaps up to the top with an Olympic slam. They do a doomsday device. And then Michael Nakazawa goes into his trunks, pulling down his underwear to utilize the ultimate venom arm onto Trent. This prompted Jericho to do his Vince McMahon. He's going to puke. He followed that with an STO, only getting a two count. And then Nakazawa missed with the venom arm and put it into Kenny Omega's mouth. Uh, this was disgusting. On the best of times, they double team Nakazawa. Omega makes the save, and then Trent does a pile driver. Nakazawa kicks out. Omega's taken out, and Strong Zero puts down Nakazawa as the best friends maintain their moniker.
0: Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how the CDC looks at um, you know uh, putting your thong into your friend's mouth. I wonder how that. I don't think they, they put out. The They've not
1: put a statement out yet about that.
0: <laughs> uh anyway like i said this was a michael nakazawa match you know straight from ddt um and i i thought it was really interesting to see this style of match in front of an empty arena what was essentially an empty arena because i i mean the people that they had around the ring um i don't even know they if they knew how to react properly to this uh it, 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 it i didn't love it um Again, I I always like I'm a big fan of Kenny because he's never afraid to try something new, and this was you know an attempt to try something new at a time when you need new things, new ideas, and something new. would was is you know this type of comedy s- style of match. I, I I do appreciate how like I think authentic they try to make it. I mean, they really it really seemed like he was trying to directly translate what they were doing in DDT directly to this, as if everybody had seen some of that stuff earlier, because like they were doing all their tag team spots. And they even made sure to, like, tell Tony Schiavone and Jericho that these moves are, go- are called the Mongo Trail, the Miniskirt Police, um, the Hentai Slide. You know, like, there's this real history between these two that I-, I-, I felt was, like, being directly translated to this. But because it was just, it's so different, because of the lack of audience there to even react to it, I, I, for me, it didn't really work.
1: I I generally go into these matches like w- with an open mind. Like if it works and gets over, then great. Uh, in this setting, it, it was very tough. Um, and and I think as well, it's it's more so like Kenny Omega just has like these multiple roles on screen that I think people understand that there is a side to him. I just don't know how much of a demand there is for Kenny Omega doing these these comedy matches. Um, when he's such a great asset in many different ways. And I'm fine with them playing around with it, but I just didn't really enjoy this match too much. Brody Lee arrives. This is another taped segment with uh, different members of the Dark Order. And two of them have these uh, kind of creased shirts that are just, they look like garbage. And then there's the other guy with his tie on. So he runs down these two guys telling them perception is reality and you two, you don't look like them or saying that you don't want to look like the fans. You don't want to look like the people at home. What's the perception going to be like at the airport, which I mean is sure. I'm sure uh, a Vince of people standing out at the airport and grabbing people's attention and said that you are looking at the exit ramp and
0: not the highway and just gave this long speech about these two schlubs. And he says that he has an opportunity for them, so you would expect some sort of makeover for these two. And I mean, think of the places you can go with that. You know, how would maybe they would have him? uh, (laughs) What's the thing that like Vince wanted Moxley to do? Which which time? Um, Well, like what he said on the podcast, like the the, that's good shit.
1: Oh, that's right, the makeover thing. Um,
0: No, I'm just saying, like, yeah, what's what's a reference they can do for? you know, how Brody Lee is going to dress these guys or change these guys up. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. So this continues.
1: Britt Baker is all bloodied up and she cuts a promo saying that Sheeta is not a role model. She's the dirtiest wrestler that she has ever faced. And she's just lucky that she didn't touch my teeth, but then says I could fix them myself anyway, because I'm a dentist. (laughs)
0: Seems like it was just like, you know, an opportunity to take advantage of that impressive visual to cut a little promo.
1: And then we uh, revisited the Jake Hager uh, Moxley build up, And this was all about Jake Hager's submission game, uh, focusing on the on the uh, arm triangle choke. Catalina thinks that this match is going to be a walk in the park because he's a disciplined athlete and he's trained for all of this. Whatever Moxley can throw at Hager has an answer for Hagger says I'm here to provide for my family and Hagger is going to hit Moxley harder than he's ever been hit. And he will be the new champion. Moxley says there will be no judges, no scorecards. I'm going to
0: fuck you up. Cool. Yeah. I mean, this was like felt very much like a MMA build-up video. And, um, I, I, I think I, I was really impressed again at just the fact that they were able to accomplish so much on such a limited schedule to me, it seemed pretty evident that I felt like both of these were being shot probably from their homes with, like, you know, separate camera people locally. And the fact that I thought it came together relatively well is is really interesting. And and it, it bodes well, I think, for the future. The fact that they can still be at home without traveling and still be able to com- create, like, compelling build-up to a match.
1: Yeah, I thought these were really well done. I mean, the... The objective of all those UFC countdown shows, it was always – it was not about building up the champion. It was all about creating doubt, believing that the challenger can beat the champion. And I think that was the same kind of goal here was to create doubt to make you believe that Jake Hager can beat this guy. And I think that that was the, the whole focus of this. I, I really like these, these features. It built up the match very effectively.
0: It, it was certainly the most I think we've seen Jake Hager speak you know, speak like a real person. And I, I thought it it did a great deal to like explain who the guy is. He's not just a silent guy. He's not just a guy, I don't know, uh doing push ups or whatever. Um, he he's a killer. He's a trained assassin. Speaking of which, did you did you notice like in John Moxley's home gym, dude's just got like a knife hanging on his garage wall? <laughs> I didn't notice
1: that, but uh hey, you know you never know when you might need um if your branches get out of control and you gotta do some hedging or gotta be ready. Matt Hardy's at his compound, and he is responding to Jericho in his hot tub from last week, referencing the circle that is eternal, and he runs through each member of the inner circle. He says Sammy Guevara is a false god and a fraud Latino. He refers to proud and powerful as loud and devourable. And he loves Puerto Rican food, insinuating he might eat them. He calls Jake Hager, Jakenstein, who is brainwashed. And then Vanguard one brings in Matt Hardy's brand new AEW shirt for some promotion. And then refers to the dumpster fire where the inner circle shirt that Jericho gave him is burning. As Matt says that the inner circle will become a dumpster fire and they will delete them and challenges them to come to the compound for the elite deletion.
0: Okay, did he challenge the whole inner circle, or did he just challenge Jericho?
1: It wasn't clear. I was under the impression it would have been just Jericho. Yeah, um,
0: that's that's how it
1: Because, I mean, they don't have access right now to the box and to do a big thing like that, uh, nor would you want to do something like when you have blood and guts down the road as well. So... Uh, It wasn't very clear, but I would imagine it was just to mean Jericho.
0: Well, in either case, I think, you know, those are the the, the main kind of ingredients you really need. But, I mean, this seems to promise, you know, the next line of Broken Matt Hardy uh, cinematic matches. And, you know, what a perfect time to introduce one of them because there's absolutely heightened interest in seeing AEW's version of, you know, a Matt Hardy final deletion type of match coming off of WrestleMania. So I'm quite looking forward to this.
1: I think it's kind of up the stakes like they have mm-hmm. to they have to improve upon what's been done in the past I yeah I would say
0: but you know like I, I certainly trust like if you're gonna have, do it with anybody the level of creativity that somebody both like Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho and the two of them working together I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can come up with and you know again uh, throughout the show I was really like Im- impressed with again how AEW's managed to be so free to let everybody shoot their own things to air on their national TV show. Because this was to me clear, like it was another, like something you would have seen on his YouTube channel. Like uh, I wouldn't doubt if like Revy even shot this or something like that. Um, And it's, it's a, it's a point in time when, when, you know, TNT and AEW really need that extra footage. And they have a whole roster of guys who are clearly comfortable in shooting their own stuff.
1: Hey, if this elite deletion is a giant success, then when it comes to outside-of-the-ring content between the Edge 24 and this, mm-hmm. I think the state of North Carolina would be leading the way for best res- best non-wrestling content of the year.
0: Uh, is that how we're judging now, by, by state?
1: I'm just saying North Carolina between that Edge documentary and then this, I mean, that's they're clearly ahead of any other state to
0: me. It is the hotbed, yeah.
1: Though I guess you might you might lean Florida right now. It'd be it'd be neck and neck between Florida and North Carolina.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: Up next was Brody Lee versus Lee Johnson, and Lee destroyed this man with a spinning side slam and a discus lariat in a minute twenty three. Yes, and afterwards Brody Lee tweeted that he gets to retain Lee. <laughs> so I guess the name was unofficially on the line here as well. So uh, he beat Johnson.
0: So, yeah, he was, you know, I mean, squash match very dynamic, very aggressive in ring style. It's nice to see Brody Lee Russell again. Uh, he was making a lot of eyes at Marco Stunt, so teasing something there.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, he was there in the front row uh, alive after last week's mauling. And Marco Stunt is going to be Spike Dudley in this promotion where he just gets killed by dudes.
0: Pretty much. I mean, I hope they don't overdo it because, you know, they, we just saw him get beat up by Lance Archer, so... I don't know. Uh, maybe there's a bit of a danger there. But, I mean, this seems to be a bit more of an involved storyline than just, you know, um, a squash match. So we shall see.
1: Then we had a history of Cody and Sean Spears, and that took us into the main event, which was the first quarterfinal match of the TNT Championship Tournament. Sean Spears, Cody, no Tully Blanchard, no Arn Anderson, but we did have Brandy Rhodes in Cody's corner. And they start off and they're doing like a heavy wrestling influence uh, with the two just going back and forth. First big move was Cody missing a moonsault off the top and then taking a reverse neckbreaker by Spears onto the floor. And this is where they go to commercial break. And as they're fighting around the guardrails, Chris Jericho says, someone asked why there's guardrails here. Well, they're here because you can hit people with them, which was uh, Chris Jericho answering Dave Meltzer on national television. (laughs) Okay. The guard, the guardrail gets lodged against the ring on the floor and Cody gets suplexed onto the guardrail that they replayed several times, uh, an ugly landing. And then Tony Schiavone throws to break. We don't go to break. And then immediately says we're back.
0: Did you catch that? I did catch it. And I'm, I I I don't exactly know what happened but I would imagine this might have been a case of the editor leaving Tony's throws on the timeline before exporting yeah. um cuz I guess what they might do and again this is just me wondering out loud they might they must just call these matches live and then they'll just have Tony's throws recorded afterwards that they'll insert wherever they want to cut but yeah yeah that might have been it this was Left there. It. I mean, it could have been worse, I guess. You know, it could have been. 20. We're out of
1: time. We got to go. <laughs> yeah. So no commercial break. Cody fires back. Um, Jericho is threatening Cody's mom because after she slapped him, he said, if I ever see her again, uh, he's going to go after her. Uh, the weight belt gets thrown into the crowd. Billy Gunn catches it. Then we got our second commercial break. Cody hits a suicide dive. Jericho has to bring up Aubrey Edwards using playoff rules. It was pretty ridiculous. Like, they've got tables, they've got guardrails, and they were on the floor for a long period of time. I mean, it was kind of just leaving Edwards out there uh, just to, you know, try and make sense of it. But the announcers Mm. did call attention to it.
0: Mm. Playoff rules. Okay.
1: Playoff rules. Yeah. That means we're just not going to enforce them. Um, Sugar Dunkerton got involved here holding on to Spears as um as Cody was like setting him up for something. Uh they get back into the ring, and there's a spot where Brandy gets onto the apron. Cody almost gets knocked into her with the table set up on the floor, but holds up, and then Spears grabs him and lifts him up as if he's going for the C4, and he ends up launching him off his shoulders through the table on the floor. Cody took a lot of punishment in this match. Mm -hmm. Spears then brings him in, goes for the C4, but it's countered and Cody hits back to back crossroads. Spears kicks out. So that's his big moment of the match is getting the kick out to the crossroads uh, parent. And then Cody takes down the knee pad, applies the figure four to Sean Spears, and he's wrenching back. They're mentioning that this is a move Dusty would use and Sean Spears he lays down in the figure four and they count one, two, three. And I think Jericho summarized everyone else who said, I have never seen someone win by pinfall with the figure four as Cody advances to face the winner of Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara.
0: You know, again, I, I appreciate when people try <laughs> different things. Um, I didn't like this finish at all. It just felt so
1: weird. It's like you're so you're you're so like we talk about like educating fans to like accept certain finishes. This is one where it's like you haven't even given a second of thought to this being uh, a finish. I'll
0: tell you. I'll tell you what. Okay, like it's it's just because like of of the way the figure four is. There's no upward downward pressure on the dude's shoulders at all, and the way Spears was selling this finish, he was squirming. Mm-hmm. while the count was being uh uh counted to 3 so it suggests that he was still conscious i think if you're going to do this finish you got to have a guy pass out you yeah, got to have a guy exactly. pass out the pain so they can't even like you know they're not even aware of 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 their elbows being counted down this looked a little bit hokey unfortunately
1: and it's also Sean Spears that i don't know if it does his him like he did get to kick out of the crossroads and this was probably you know his best showing since the last cody match um yeah, I, I thought the match was good, mm-hmm. but um, I wasn't overwhelmed by it, but they they, they had their moments. I mean, they kind of took me out of it, like, with all the stuff on the floor. Like, I almost wish they had just said that, like, there's, it's no holds barred because of their past history and that we know that the ring is not going to contain these two because of this rivalry that exists. I mean, give me something, but it was kind of just, uh, it, it kind of just put the referee in a bad position, and I'm glad the announcers called it out. Like, it just looks silly if you don't.
0: It's a bit of a tough spot because I think when you're you know headlining a, a main event the desire is certainly there to do something big and I think we saw that last week with like Darby Allen doing a number of big dives you kind of want a main event to feel special and unlike your other matches and I think that's why you saw a number of really big bumps taken by cody and, and to me they 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 did add to the atmosphere they did add to to the memory of this match to make it feel big um but Sure, I can absolutely understand maybe some of the criticisms when it comes to the rules. Um, but beyond that, I, I, you know, I thought throughout the entire episode, there was a good atmosphere throughout everything created by Chris Jericho and created by this, you know, the people surrounding ringside. This was a serviceable main event.
1: Yeah, like, I don't want to say it was bad. Like, I, I got I got into the match. I did overall uh, like the, the match. Uh, as a whole, I thought the highlights of the show were Jericho and the Moxley Hager stuff. Uh, I didn't so much enjoy the Nakazawa match. Um, you know the, the squash matches were fine, effective for what they were. Um, but this was a show that I would say, um, I, I was really kind of feeling the empty arena fatigue of some of these shows.
0: I don't disagree with you. Um, to be the standouts of this show were was really kind of anything but the in ring. I really enjoyed the Moxley Hager stuff. Um, I liked the rankings video, as simple as that was. Yeah, that was um, very you know- good. It seemed like Man Hardy, you know, the Man Hardy video was kind of like typical Man Hardy fare, but like it seems to set up something with Chris Jericho that I'm looking quite forward to. Even the Brody Lee thing I think is really interesting. You know, to me like it's 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 almost become a strength of, of AEW now, the fact that they have so many out of the ring elements. When, you know, when they first started, I think that was what one of my criticisms was that everything was taking place in ring. Well, now now that they're kind of like, you know, forced to get outside of the ring due to limitations, um I I'm happy to see, you know, a lot more uh, pre-produced stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. You, you know who we need to hear from, again, is... He's been gone for a bit now, is MJF. We need a we need an MJF mm. promo on this show.
0: Just a tape promo. You know, that would depend, though, on, on whether or not he's got a match coming up. Whether or not he'll be flying in from, you know, wherever that, that's,
1: he That's he a goes. fair point. I mean, given where he lives, like, he might not be available. So what's he even building up at this point? So.
0: It's a number of those guys from that area. Like, the proud and powerful dudes we haven't seen... Yep. Uh, yeah. No. Like the the New Yorkers are or the New York area guys are, are really interesting.
1: Yeah. This is the uh, the Florida Georgia crew that we're gonna be the the Florida Georgia line.
0: Yes. Exactly.
1: All right. Well, tonight's episode of Impact on the forum generated a seven point eight nine. So a very healthy rating from our listeners. We'll start off with Alexander from Portland. He says, "Thrilling night for AEW." Jericho giving everyone names such as Cody Exotic, mispronouncing Tony's last name the entire night, was amazing. Archer looks like a beast. We most, we most likely saw the best comedy match of the year, and Britt had her best in-ring outing. While I'm not the biggest fan of Spears, him losing how he did protects him. Um, hopefully, we see more showings like that out of him. Lastly, the Hager Moxie videos were phenomenal. If you told me a few years ago that I would be excited for a Jake Hager-Dean Ambrose match, I wouldn't have believed you. He gives us an 8 out of 10 and perhaps his favorite out of the empty arena shows. His question, AEW supposedly has months of shows taped. Does During this time, Nyla Rose and Adam Page have not been wrestling and they're both champions. How do you think AEW will maintain steam in the tag team and women's divisions when neither title can be defended? Do you anticipate the champions being stripped in the near future or do what they're doing with Jordan Devlin where there's an interim Cruiserweight champion in NXT?
0: Hmm... Well, I, I, I think, you know, the Devlin one, they saw an opportunity to create a new tournament out of a need for, you know, uh, out of a lack of a cruiserweight champion being there. Okay, and I see AEW putting on, let's say a women's title tournament because Nyla Rose is un- unavailable um, because Nyla, I think is still relatively fresh and I don't, we don't really know her status either. I, I could see that being less likely, you know? And um, how many
1: women do you have to draw from presently?
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. Like, you
1: can't even put a tournament together. You'd have to be using, like, local independent talent that um, – for, for the, by the time – the next time you tape, which, I mean, who knows, like, if they can even tape in Georgia again.
0: Yeah. The appeal, you know, of of, of the whole thing – like, you know, yeah, you can do a one-on-one match between, like, a Shida and Britt Baker again for an interim title. But the, the value of putting on a tournament is a destination. For you to you know have a number of matches to build up towards, and a one time match doesn't really achieve that. You know, um, yeah, so much of it remains to be seen. The Adam Page is really interesting because you know Kenny is a tag team champion, and one one half of the champions is there. But do you strip both champions? Uh, it's a tough question, but I, I I would probably say no. You know, I, I if I had to guess, I would I would say that they would probably find some way for these guys to come in for the next set of tapings. so that you could bulk shoot a number of things. Right. We go to uh, Andrew from Cape Breton who says, I thought the show was pretty good tonight. Sheeta and Baker had one of the better women's matches I've seen in AEW. At a certain point, I felt it was starting to go long, and around that point was when the finish happened. It seems AEW is basically going through the route of jobber matches to build up guys during this time where they can't work in front of a crowd. Raw did it a little bit as well, and that might be the best option to just bulk tape shows like old episodes of WWF Superstars. That added with some vignettes and some content they released online, Made the show a 7 out of 10 for me. Question for John. With the UFC show, with the C- UFC now seemingly doing fights outside of regulation on a private island, what fighters do you think would thrive the best in this environment? My money would be Scorpion and Sub-Zero, though I'm sh- not sure if freezing your opponents and uppercutting them in half would be allowed with the unified rules.
1: Um, I mean, great points. Um, <laughs> who who would you favor, way in this kind of, a? Uh... I mean, this is pretty much the plot for Mortal Kombat that uh, you know, I, I've been reminded of many times.
0: I mean, after watching the Brawl for All, Dark Side of the Ring, I mean, I would I would fly a plane to get Bart Gunn to get on this island. You watched the episode? I did, yes. Can you believe that
1: story today? That Vince McMahon was considering doing it again in 2010?
0: Oh, I could believe it. Of course. Uh, of course I I can
1: believe it, but that's just insane. That's just insane that he wanted to revisit it and 12 years after the fact.
0: I wonder who he would have picked from that roster at that time. He
1: was considering doing it with the NXT rookies for the reality show.
0: Oh, Jesus. That would have been terrible.
1: Like, you would have had Brian Danielson, a guy who's had all those concussions.
0: Oh, my God. uh, In
1: in an unsanctioned... I I don't even know how it would work uh, in 2010. Like, I think... Like, it... Nineteen ninety eight and two thousand ten are two very different eras when it comes to combat sports regulation in the United States. Um I mean, it's it didn't get off the ground. So I mean I, I don't even know if it could be much more than an idea, but it would have been it would have been met with so much more resistance and scrutiny in two thousand ten than it was in ninety eight.
0: Imagine like if you had like, you know, your version of Bart Gunn, but in twenty ten? and like Michael Tarver ends up win- winning the whole thing.
1: Oh, he had the boxing background. I mean, who knows?
0: Wow. Um, bizarre. I I'm
1: just I'm just imagining that. Imagine like Heath Slater, dude, in like <laughs> or eh, Wade Barrett um yeah, that would Yeah, he's a
0: bare be. knuckles bare knuckles boxing champion, right? Or whatever this he would have been insane.
1: All right. Our next one here is Noah from Vaughn. A great episode from dynamite tonight. Really want to put some spotlight on and shout out Britt Baker. She had a fantastic outing in her match, which I thought was her best in AEW and follow and following had a great fiery backstage promo. Jericho and commentary was fantastic all night long. And I hope he continues to do commentary on these empty arena shows. Lastly, I saw people saying that Brody Lee getting mad at the creepers for not dressing nice was another shot at Vince. I'm lost. I've never heard of that vinceism to me. Uh, To me, Brody comes across as a vicious cult leader who dominates his matches. It works for me. Eight and a half out of ten. Question, how awesome is the Elite Deletion going to be? I feel like Jericho, in that setting, would just be gold, really looking for that showdown. Uh, I'm sure that one's going to be creative as hell with those two together um, and what they can do. Just the stuff with Jericho and Vanguard alone, and then, like, that can almost be the, the first couple of minutes is with him wandering onto this compound and finding Vanguard and then leading him to Matt Hardy um but to his point i think that's the whole point with brody lee it's that i mean you're not going to know like what is what is a reference and what's not it's just got to make sense as a character so that you don't need to understand any references you can just absorb it as the character they're presenting as this cult leader
0: yeah i don't think the you know i, I believe like cody Talked about it in an interview. Um, I think Andrew Thompson transcribed in, in the update this week. I'm sorry. I wish I could credit the source. But anyway, I believe he he um, talked about how it's not necessarily supposed to be a Vince parody. Well, you know, um, maybe Vince influenced, but I think it, it's in their best interest to <laughs> just stay away from that level of, I think, I don't know, cheap, you know, billionaire Ted type of spoofing. hmm.
1: They completely invited it like that was our first real introduction to him beyond the reveal. It was that it was the stake. It was like you have to expect that response from people that are going to get that. So Mm -hmm. um, I I completely understand why those are the comparisons versus doing something like that small in like week six as just a joke where you've more so established him. That was kind of our first impression from him from a speaking standpoint.
0: Finally, we got a Raymond from Sacramento, California, who says, In 2020, AEW has rewritten the script on Adam Hangman Page, and he's incredibly over. In 2020, AEW decided to turn Britt Baker heel, and they've done a phenomenal job of it. The heel promos, the weird relationship with Tony, who's seemingly infatuated with her, and tonight, this bloody match with Cheetah. I don't know who deserves the credit, but Britt getting a glove in an attempt to apply her lockjaw finisher was so, so smart in the current climate. And the icing on the top was the promo later in the night with her face still bloody in the match. Really good stuff. John and Way. I hope you noticed that there was a lengthy gap between that match and the tag for the ring crew to change the ring mat and sanitize the overall ring. And he gives a winky face to uh, indicate sarcasm, I guess.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, Thank you, everybody, for the feedback. And that's going to wrap things up for our review of Dynamite. Uh, If you haven't listened already, you can go check out Up Next. Brayden and Davey will have a full rundown of the big Wednesday night episode from NXT with the Champa Johnny Gargano, end to the the rivalry, plus the six-woman ladder match, the number one contenders match. Tomorrow, way? Tomorrow's ratings. Are you interested at all? Because to me, this is the biggest NXT episode they have put out in a long time against an AEW show that I, beyond the tournament starting, um, you know, I, I would say on paper, NXT was the one with, with more interest this week going in.
0: I I absolutely felt that. Um, you know, if I had my pick, I think I would have flipped to see, you know, the the two main options that NXT was presenting. So I'm very curious to see what uh, what people's habits will be like for tomorrow. You know, are at this point, are people kind of set in their ways? I do believe that most people are in the habit of watching both shows. And are people set in their ways of watching Dynamite first? If that is their usual go-to, it'll be really. I think they
1: are. I, I do feel yeah. AEW is going to still be watched by more people, but I am curious how close it is because I think there was definitely more uh, promotion and and hype for this NXT. But I do feel the viewing habits are not going to um, lead to NXT winning. But we'll see. Um, it's at least a week where I mean, quite honestly, like the the numbers coming out are, you know. They're just kind of standard. What you can expect tomorrow will be kind of interesting.
0: Do you, Do you have a a range, John? Like where where you might see AEW, for instance, coming up at? Because last week we're go, we're coming off of um, very low. It their was six
1: eighty 680, six eighty five and five ninety last week were the two. So
0: not not their worst. They're they se- their third worst in in their. It was AEW's history?
1: lowest of the year. Um, yeah. NXT. It was among their lowest. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I would say I'm going to predict... Do they bounce
0: back, at least?
1: I think there will be a moderate increase for AEW. I'm going to peg... I'm going to guess AEW around the 770 mark, and I'm going to put NXT around 690 to 700. That's my guess.
0: That's a good guess. I mean, can that be seen as... You know, if you're if you're WWE and you're looking at putting you know, we put a takeover on TV, do you consider that a success?
1: Uh a minor one. Um I wouldn't say a gigantic one. I, I would say that if they only do seven hundred. I, I, I would say at a different time period you'd be disappointed by that today. I think it'd be at least it's an increase. Um Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what it is. I, I don't know how much stock you put into these numbers right now, but um, yeah, it is, you know, this is really the top two matches that would have been at TakeOver, or at least the two most anticipated ones. So this is as big an episode as you have. Um, also worth noting is um, I did start watching NXT, so I didn't see much of it, but uh, Mauro Ronaldo does, uh, does call the latter match. I think he calls the first hour of the show. Interesting. Is, you don't see him there. So I imagine he did it remotely.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Cool.
1: So there you go. And solo as well. He was not with Beth or Nigel or anybody. Hmm. All right. That's going to wrap things up. Uh, but wait, we are back on Thursday.
0: Yeah, we'll be back for the cafe hangout at our usual time of three o'clock this week. John and I will be talking about this edition of NXT and we'll be opening the phone lines to take your phone calls about anything you guys want to talk about between WrestleMania, UFC, AW anything that's pretty much out there.
1: Yeah, we've had a we've had a number of guests on the on the site this week. So uh, Cafe Hangout on Thursday will be all dedicated to uh, news and your phone calls. So don't be shy, do call in. Uh, we're looking forward to it. And all Cafe members can listen live 3 p.m. Eastern time. And that's it for us. Have a good night, and we'll speak with you Thursday.
0: Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs